All right, let's jump in this morning. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, and that's where we will be camping this morning um, as we continue through this wonderful book about Jesus, uh, the better the better prophet, right? Jesus um, is better than angels. And, and this morning what we're going to look at is how Jesus is, in a sense, the better older brother. Um, you, you know, I, I grew up as a kid. I was an only child in, in my house, and there came with that some benefits. You know, I remember... I, whether I, I knew it then, I know it now, I didn't have to share any of my toys with any siblings. It was amazing, right? And my wife says, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, why you are the way you are, you're an only child, you know? Um, but I remember just like everything, you know, if it was Christmas time, it was all about me, right? Uh, if it was my birthday, it was all about me. If it was whatever, it was Easter, I mean, I would, you know, I got all the stuff I wanted. It was awesome. But at the same time, I remember there was like this, this I don't know how to explain it, like a void kind of. There was this angst in me a little bit. You know, I, rem- I, I have a weird memory. Like I can remember things as a very young child. Um, and I can, I don't know, maybe in between it all gets lost. But I remember, you know, being at home and before I started school and playing with my toys, but wanting someone to be there with me right? To play with toys. And I remember um, even when I got to school, I remember, you know, you've heard me, I don't know, maybe it just keeps coming up. Maybe I need some therapy, but because I have a girl's name, you know, I remember being picked on in the play, at the playground and then school. And I wanted like an older sibling, an older brother to be like, knock it off, you know, and stand up for me and those kind of things. And so even as much as I enjoyed being an only child and getting the benefits of that and a lot of attention from my parents, um, I, there was something inside of me that wanted an older brother, you know, somebody that I could like get in trouble with, you know, um, n- not that I wanted to get in trouble. Don't worry, I'm your pastor, I'm perfect. I never wanted stuff like that. <laughs> um, but just being able to like, you know, have a brother and someone who would pick on me uh, affectionately, you know, those kind of things. And I love what the writer of Hebrews is going to do today because as we read through this, you're going to notice there's so much language of family. There's so much language of brotherhood. Uh, there's so much language of Jesus being an older brother to us. Now, what does that mean, being an older brother? I thought Jesus was God. And, you know, yes, he is. But what we also see in Scripture is that Jesus is human and he, he is, so to speak, the older brother in the sense that he does what an older brother is supposed to do, all the good things an older brother is supposed to do, not the bad things, not pick on us, but all the good things. And so this morning as we read through this, I want to encourage you to, if you've, if you've longed for that or you've missed that or you never had that, some of us had bad older brothers, right? Uh, you were like, man, my older brother was mean to me and you know, all this kind of, you know, Jesus is the perfect, the better older brother. And so that's what we're going to look at today together. So if you have your Bible, Hebrew chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 9, and this is what it says. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely who? Jesus. There it is, crowned up there. Great. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for 
everyone. And I just want to highlight here to, to help us launch into the rest of this. We see that this is the first time that the writer of Hebrews has actually used the word Jesus. If you've noticed in the, the other chapter, um, and even previous in here, it, what it says was it speaks about the Son. Remember that? The Son. Um, and, and it speaks about Christ and all of those things. But it never uses the word Jesus. And this is the first time the writer uses this name. And it's, it's not just so we go, oh yeah, duh, we know he's speaking about Jesus. It's actually intentional. It's very, um, uh, um, we, we need to like pay special attention to this. Why? Because in, in differentiating between being the Son and being Christ, in saying the name Jesus, what the writer of Hebrews is doing is, is magnifying, so to speak, the humanity of who Christ is. He's identifying with Christ the human nature of Jesus. And for those of us who grew up in the church for any amount of time, we know that Jesus was fully man and fully God, right? He's not, he doesn't, uh, some religions, and this is where cults kind of like get developed. Either we overly overly emphasize the deity of Christ and we underemphasize the humanity or we do it the other way around. Because that whole concept of Jesus being 100% man and 100% God is is not an easy concept. It's not normal to our flesh. But we know through Scripture that we see this all the time. And here is one of the key doctrines that we as Christians say, yes, he was fully God, but also he is fully man. And he didn't like at moments sometimes be like, well, because I need to relate to people more, I'm going to like diminish in my deity so that I can grow in, in my humanity. And then I'm going to, because I need to do like God kind of things, I'm going to like diminish in my humanity and I'm going to grow in my deity. That's not true. See, Jesus was always, all the time, 100% fully man and fully God. And this doctrinal truth, if you're taking notes and you want to get all nerdy about it, it's called the hypostatic union. You guys like that word? Hypostatic union. It's this identity of the nature of Jesus. And we're going to, like, why would, why was the writer just say Jesus? We know that. No, he's saying, listen, Jesus was fully God, but he's also fully man. All right, you guys tracking with me so far? All right. So this helps us answer very, two very important questions. Um, Number one, is why did Jesus have to become a man? And number two, why did Jesus have to die? You know, we often think, well, God's God, you know? God can do anything. God can, God can say something, right? We know that this is how the universe was created. It was just, God just said and just appeared. Well, if God can do that, why can God not just be like, hey, everybody, I just absolve you of your sin and everything's good. Well, we're going to see why not this morning and why Jesus had to be fully man and fully God. So let's continue in this idea that Jesus is our older brother. I'm going to help us this morning. I think the writer of Hebrews points out four things. Um, if you're more smarter than me, that's not, that was pretty ironic. I just said more smarter. Uh, if you are cleverer 
uh, than me, if you're a little bit more intellectually uh, profound, uh, you will probably be able to pick out some more things. But this is what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me this week as I was studying through this portion of Scripture. So I want us to see four things about this truth that Jesus is actually the better older brother for us. So, so number one is that we see that Jesus being the older brother is the better older brother is that he paves the way for us. Look at this in verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Everyone say pioneer. Okay, so here is this beautiful truth of Jesus being the older. Now we know that generically or just kind of like you know, maybe we, the older brother in a family is the one who experiences everything usually first. The older brother is usually the stronger one. Uh, the older brother is usually the taller one. The older brother is usually the more experienced one. I think of my son Sam and my son Judah, and there's some years apart from each other. And, you know, Judah will learn from Sam uh, what it means to be a young man in the Monaghan house. And, and, and Sam has had to go through some um, poor parenting just because he was our first son, right? And so he had to, like, bear the brunt of us trying to learn how to, like, parent. And, like, you know, we made some mistakes. Um, and to be honest, Judah hardly ever gets spanked, right? And it's probably because he learned by watching his older brother get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of spanks, right? So he thought to himself, uh-uh, that's not happening with me. And so my, my younger son is a little bit less obvious. Sam was just obvious, and then he got the, the, the brunt of that, right? He would, he would do something bad, and, you know, it happened. But Judah's a little bit more, hmm, you know, and so and they know it, but Anyways, the older brother is the one who goes before us. And so we, what we see here, Jesus, the better older brother, the perfect older brother, it speaks about him going and being the pioneer of our salvation. Now, it wasn't just that he was the pioneer in our salvation, like, okay, I made the way for you. And it says specifically that he did it through suffering. And I thought about this this week. It would be like, you know, if we were all on this journey as a family together, and we were, you know, bushwhacking through the jungle in the dense bush and somewhere in Africa or something. And, you know, the older brother, so to speak, is the one who has the machete, right? That's machete for you white people, okay? And so he's got it in the front, and what is he doing? He's like, cutting through, and then all of a sudden he gets through the spider web, and a giant poisonous spider bites his face, and he's all swollen up, and he's like, whoa, we're like, thank you, older brother, that that wasn't me. And then he goes through furthermore, and there's thorns, and there's bushes, and we get through the other side, and we see that our older brother has taken the brunt, his clothes are tattered, he's all scratched up, he's bitten from head to toe, he's taken it for us, and we just walked along behind him, and we're like, hey, you missed a branch over there, and you know, make sure you get that one there. And he's like, oh yeah, you're right, gets that. And it wasn't that Jesus was just our pioneer, and was like, oh, that was easy, follow me. You know, I know the way. As Jesus was the pioneer and through suffering, he took the brunt of it for us. And as the perfect older brother, he did it willingly. Um, yeah, man. Here's what 
I don't know if you noticed it, but it says it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything is, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what? Through suffering. It was fitting. Isaiah 53, 10 says this about Jesus. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Now, that can like rub against us really in a bad way. We're like, wait a minute. It was God, the Father's will to punish the Son? Is God like this mean ogre in heaven? No, see, God in His wisdom and in His glory and His love for you and me, and Jesus in His surrender, being the pioneer of our faith. See, it pleased the Father because it knew, He knew it would turn this bad situation of sin to glory and reconcile. And so for you and me who are trying to cut through the the bush and we're trying to go through the jungle, it's impossible. We Even if we are given the machete, even if we think we are powerful, we would just stand at the edge and we're just all day going to be hacking and whacking and nothing will happen. And the older brother says, I'm the only one who actually can get through this dense jungle because on the other side is reconciliation to the Father. And though it will cause much pain and suffering, I will do it. I'm the pioneer of your faith. So therefore we see Jesus is the better older brother because he paves the way for you and me. Isn't that such good news? When we, in all our striving and all our trying to earn favor and all of us trying to make sure that God knows that we're doing our best and we think somehow we can get through this mess on our own of sin, we can't. And Jesus is saying, hey, I've already done it for you. And so our job then is to respond and say, Jesus, thank you for willingly paving the way. Number two, what else? Jesus not just the paver of the way for us as our older brother, Jesus isn't ashamed of us. This is so awesome. Look at verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Look at that family language there. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, you ever have maybe a younger sibling or maybe somebody in your family um, who does something really embarrassing, and you're like, uh, never mind them, right? I remember, um, man, Judah's not in here, so Judah, don't listen to this this morning. But, you know, Judah went through this little phase when he was, I don't know, maybe five or six. No? Oh. <laughs> See, the older kids are like, get him, get him back. He was just young, and he went through this like phase where, like, he would like be playing with the, the the siblings, and if they did something he didn't like, he would go, he would hiss at them. So, and and it was a little weird. It was like, what are you doing? And and if if my if my older kids had friends around, they'd be like, Judah, don't don't hiss, right? Because they felt embarrassed that someone that they were related to was doing something strange. We've, we've maybe experienced things like that. You know you have that one person in your family that when you get around 
family reunion times, you're like, oh gosh, you know, so you warn like maybe some friends that are coming. This, by the way, you know, Uncle Joe, he's a little weird and he might come up and like hug you. He's got really bad breath and he is unaware of it and he's going to say some weird stuff. Just, it's just Uncle Joe, you know, those kind of things. But here's the thing about Jesus and us is that Jesus is not ashamed of you and me. He doesn't go, oh my gosh. I cannot believe they are hissing again. This is so embarrassing, you know. Uh, I cannot believe they committed this sin again. I cannot believe that this is happening again. Oh my gosh, like let's just all kind of ignore them for a moment and hope they will just politely go away and we can ignore No, that's not what Jesus, we know that Jesus is not ashamed of us. I mean, here's the thing, maybe you're saying, well, Jesus is probably not ashamed of Mike, you know. Mike and Lori, why would he be ashamed? I mean, they're awesome. But <laughs> he's probably ashamed of me. I mean, I know what I did this week, right? I know the things I thought. I know the things I did. I know the things I looked at. I know the things I listened to. I know all of the, the things I said, the things, all of those things. If Jesus, he would be completely ashamed of me. And I would say that's a lie from the enemy. See, that's your guilt and that's the enemy wanting to shame you. Beautiful thing is, as Jesus is an older brother, he's not like, oh my gosh, my weird little sibling. You, you know why we know this? Look at a, cu- a couple things. The main thing is, he died for you. Hello? Jesus died for you in all your nastiness, in all of your sin, in all of your awkward weirdness. He died for you in spite of that. Not only that, He suffered for you. He suffered for you willingly. And He, here's like one of the most beautiful things about this is that in His death and in His suffering, He doesn't say, okay, now I've just like, I've done this now, you know, work it out. You know, you're a little weird, so we're not going to cross this relational line. No, what he says, he says, I've died for you, I suffered for you, I'm so not ashamed of you that I'm going to welcome you into this family. So you with all your quirks, you with all your sin, you with all your idiosyncrasies, you, you with all, your, all of who you are, I'm going to bring you into this family. Because here's the beautiful thing, friends, nobody in this family earned Jesus not being ashamed. I'm not here today because I was so good that Jesus was like, there's seven, there's ten people here. Kelly's the only one who I wouldn't be ashamed of because he's not weird. That's not true. See, all of us here this morning should reap the shame of Jesus, but we don't. And we're not here today in this family if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, someone who has surrendered their life. It's not because you did anything to earn your way into this family. You weren't like the, you know, the pr- prospective son-in-law who's trying to like show off to the prospective new parent-in-laws and like, hmm, we don't know. Okay, well, he seems like a good guy or she seems like a good girl. Yeah, let's let him in. No, there's none of that to be had in salvation. It's in spite of our sin. It's in spite of our shame. It's in spite of us not being able to earn our way in that Jesus looks at us and says, I will make a way for them. 
I'm not ashamed of you because I paid the price. And what we're going to do here in a moment, we're going to take communion together. In this act of taking communion, what we're reminding ourselves of is the truth that we didn't earn salvation. It was the perfection, if we can use the awkwardness and all of that, the non-weirdness of who Jesus is. He gave that to you and me to cover our sin. Jesus is in the shame. And so like the older brother's like, get away, kid, until you grow up. Mm -mm. Jesus is like, come. Come unto me. Come unto me. I'm going to take all your awkwardness. I'm going to take your shame. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take your sorrow. And I'm going to take it upon myself. And I'm going to make you perfect. So that when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see like what a weird kid. He sees perfection. He sees holiness. Thank you, Jesus. What a good older brother. Anybody want an older brother like that? I do. I want an older brother like that. I want an older brother who's not going to be ashamed of me. I don't know what's going on over here, but... I mean, look at verses 12 and 13, just before we end this point. This is... This is like a narrative of Jesus kind of boasting about us. He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. It was somebody who's ashamed of us wouldn't do that. But look at verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Jesus is associating himself with you and me. That is awesome. Man, thank God for Jesus, our older brother. All right. How you guys doing? Hanging in there? Number three. Jesus is the better older brother in the sense that he fights for us. Now, this is one of the big ones that I wanted when I was a kid, man. I don't know. There's something in me. I, was, I, I honestly, like, you know, wish I could go back and have an older brother just so somebody could pick on me just so I could see them get beat up, you know, a little bit like that. I just want something like that of the story. I love those movies where you see the underdog child in the playground. And then the older brother, you know, he's picked on him at home. He's always picking on, he's always being mean to him. But then what happens? Blood runs thicker than water, doesn't it? And then the moment that the bully comes on the playground, the older brother's like, hey, stop. You, you can mess with me, but you can't mess with my brother. And then the younger brother's like, yeah, get him, Johnny. Right? All right. Look at verses 14 through 16. Since the children have flesh and blood... Look at this family language. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, verse 15, and free those who, are, uh, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but it's Abraham's descendants. For surely it's not, it's not the angels who we argued already Jesus is better than. It's the descendants of Abraham. And that, that now is not speaking only of Jewish people. It's speaking about those who are in Christ. Abraham's the spiritual understanding of our father of the faith. And so what the writer is saying, Jesus is on the playground, and he's going to stand up against the bully. He's going to punch him in the mouth. He's going to take his lunch and he's going to give him a big old wedgie. It's okay to be excited about that. If you feel bad that the devil's going to get a wedgie, you don't know the devil. I want the devil to have a wedgie every day. 
I want him to get punched in the mouth. Like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's like the devil. He's a boo. And then Jesus is like, shut up. Boom. Get out of here. Uh. And he's like, like a little whelping dog. See, Jesus stood up for you and me. He's not like, in theory, this really good older brother. He's not, in theory, the idea of an older brother that you better not mess with Kelly or his older brother's going to get you. He is in reality, in every way, has stood up and beat the bully of death and Satan for us. And man, I love how it talks about us being, you know, the slave to the fear of sin. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I mean, maybe you're more mature than me, but I often wrestle sometimes thinking about, like, how am I going to die? Right? I mean, here's the grim truth this morning. I know you came to church to hear this, but we're all going to die one day. Unless the Lord comes back before we, our time comes, that's going to happen. And I, sometimes I, you know, in my finite mind, in the flesh, I go, ooh, is it going to be, you know, I hope it's in my um, 90s with my wife. And we're like the, what was that movie with uh, the notebook? You know, we're just cuddling, right? And we just go to sleep together. Well, I mean, everybody wants that kind of a thing. But what if it's like, a, you know, this and this, and I start to fear. Well, what does society do with death? We try to avoid it, don't we? We don't want to talk about it. Just, if I don't talk about it, it won't happen. Then we would know that's not true. Well, let's try to, like, de- delay it as much as possible. So I told you I'm on the everything life sucks diet right now, right? Why am I doing that? Because I'm trying to, like, get some extra years in my life. Why do, why do we like put stuff in our face and all, you know, all these things? It's because we're trying to delay the effects of death. And here is our bigger older brother. He comes on the playground, the spiritual playground, where we're getting beat up day after day, day after day, not only by Satan, but also sin, because we keep giving into it. Jesus comes on the scene. Everybody's like, oh, the big brother's coming. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big brother goes, boosh. The big brothers, the, the bully's got nothing to say anymore. The bully has no power anymore. The bully better not say anything because he knows the big brother is right there, standing ready to punch him in the mouth. Now, I don't know if that has dawned on you if you're a Christian. I don't know if you revel in that, but you should. Like when we sing sing songs like death could not hold you, the grave couldn't, uh, you know, whatever. You know the words. You know the words. Do we just sit there and go, truth? No. I mean, you silence the boast the braggadacious bully. You silenced him. You silenced the boast of death and sin and the grave. It has no power over any of us here this morning who have put our hope and faith in Christ. And so therefore, when my flesh wants to go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? What, this could, the, 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 you know, like there's something going on my arm. Am I going to die? All those kind of things. No! My eternal hope is in the big brother who has beat the bully up 
for me. I hope that that transforms into reality into your life. I hope you don't live under the slavery of fear because Jesus has set us free from that. Is that easy to do? No, it's not. It's a reminding ourselves. It's a living in constant daily. Reminding ourselves, I have a big brother who beat up the devil. um, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to do it this morning. I'm going to quote from Lord of the Rings, okay? It's going to happen. There's a moment in the, in the third book, in The Return of the King, where, and it's not looking good, and the city of men is being attacked by the enemy. And the, the enemy has launched all his forces, right? And there's a moment where Pippin and Gandalf, Pippin is one of the little hobbits, and Gandalf is the wizard. If you don't know Lord of the Rings, shame on you, but that's who these people are. And they're being attacked, and they're, they're kind of defending themselves in this stronghold, and the enemy's trying to beat down the gates and the doors to get to them. And Pippin realizes this is not looking good, and he says this. He says to Gandalf, I, I didn't think it would end this way. Gandalf says, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass and then you see it. There's a bit of a pause there and Pippin's like, what? Gandalf, what do you see? Gandalf says, white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. Pippin says, well, that isn't so bad. And Gandalf says, no, no it isn't. And I think there's something of that that needs to live in us. Yes, fear of death can come to us, and death will come to us all, but the beautiful thing is there's a swift sunrise on the other side. And that's our eternal hope that we have found in our big brother who has purchased that for you and me. Isn't that good? I love it. Number four, we'll end here. Jesus, the older brother, the better older brother, he took our punishment for us. Verse 17. For this reason he had to be made like them, speaking of us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, Here's kind of the situation. If we want to continue with this family story, the older brother. The older brother, he's, he, he goes before us. He, he paves the way. The older brother, he, you know, he, he, he uh, is not ashamed of us. And the older brother, he sticks up for us. But here, if you were to think of you know, a situation where maybe one of the younger, younger siblings has done something, has committed a crime in the family, And they're about to experience the punishment of the parents because of this crime that they have committed. Here, Jesus, the better older brother, what he does, he doesn't say, hey, I'm just going to be, he doesn't say, hey, it was me. He doesn't lie and say it was me. Like, hey, no, 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 it wasn't Judah. Sam comes in, guys, guys, dad, mom, it wasn't Judah, it was me. He doesn't lie and do that. What he says, yes, it was Judah, but the reality is Judah can't take the punishment that is deserving of what he committed. He can't. 
And so me as the older brother, stronger older brother, perfect older brother, dad, mom, I'll stand in his place. I'll take it. And see, that's what Jesus did for each one of us here. You and I committed a crime, so to speak. We committed sin. And because of that sin, the only way for us to absolve or to get on the other side of that sin and be made right with God the Father was punishment. And we know that Scripture tells us that punishment for sin is death. It's death. And so what Jesus did in His love and the Father and the Spirit in their love for us, what they did in this moment is they said, yes, that is true. Death is deserving. But they cannot take it. They cannot earn their way back because they don't have the power to do it. And so Jesus goes to the Father and says, I will take it for them. I will stand in their place. I will be the one who comes under the punishment of justice. I will pay the price. Even though I didn't do it, do it. Even though I lived a perfect life, even though I am fully God, I am yet fully man, and I will stand in their place. What? I mean, you know, we used to sing the song, uh, Scandal of Grace. And I, I think this is why people don't get Christianity. Because it's not fair. It's not fair, is it? I mean, fair is like you get what you deserve, isn't it? Fair is somebody has got to pay and it's got to be you because you committed it. And in Christianity, it's not fair that Jesus comes in, the perfect one, and says, I'll take the penalty. I'll take the price. Is it because God is this like angry ogre in heaven just looking for someone to punish? No. And, and this, friends, helps us answer the question, why does Jesus have to be fully man? You know why? It's because man is the one that messed it up. And man has to pay the penalty. Man has to fix it. Now there's a problem in there, isn't there? Because man can't fix it. You and I cannot fix the problem. And so Jesus says, I will become fully man on their behalf and I will fix it because I'm fully God. And it answers the question, why did Jesus have to die? Because sin... The only way, the only payment for it is death. And so Jesus, the better, older brother, says, they can't do it. They never will be able to pay. All, they can't cut through this dense bush to get to the other side to have perfect relationship with the Father. They, no one can pave the way. Nobody can do it. I will stand, but that's going to require death. I know I will willingly do it but it's going to require suffering, I know I will fully and willingly do it. But it's going to require you to be shamed and spat upon and your beard pulled out and you to be whipped and lashed and hung upon a cross and it will be anguish. I know. I'm the better older brother. I'll do it. Why, Jesus? Why would you ever do such a thing? you can't. Because you can't. You didn't want heaven 
without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. The better older brother. Isn't that good news, friends? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think now like all the longings I had as a kid, it's been fulfilled. All the fear that you have, you can trust who Jesus is fully. Say, I'm going to give it to you about death. All the, I feel like, Lord, I'm getting picked on by the bully of the devil. He's just constantly telling me how evil and terrible and shameful and disgusting I am. You can go to your older brother and say, will you please punch him in the face for me? And he will and he's done it. I feel ashamed. I'm not ashamed of you. Jesus is amazing. I mean, Mike's laughing because he's like, that's an understatement, right? What's your relationship with Jesus like this morning? And I'm not just speaking to who we think, oh, that's probably for people who haven't committed their life to Christ. I'm speaking to all of us. If you've surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, do you ever view him as the big brother who stood up for you and that you could put your hope and trust in and he's merciful and gracious to you and that he's not ashamed of you? Or do you kind of live in this quasi-religious like religious Christianity where you feel like you have to earn it constantly? And somehow make God happy with you. So you have an advocate. You have someone who's already done that for you. And I would say as well to an unbelieving person, who's someone who's never put your hope and your faith in Jesus, the reality is you're going to be striving for the rest of your life. You're going to be constantly either trying to suppress your guilt and say, this is the way I live my life. It's fine. Who, who, who's anybody to tell me I shouldn't live this way? I got it all figured out. Or you're going to constantly be feeling this guilt and like, I don't know what to do. See, that can only be satisfied in Christ. It's the only answer. It's not religion. It's not the way of man's thoughts. This is from God. This is scandalous because you actually deserve to pay for the junk you've done. You deserve hell. You deserve punishment for every sin you've committed. Yet Jesus loved you so much that what he's done is he's come and he said, I will take it for you. Your only responsibility is to surrender to him and say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done trying to like figure it out because it's already been figured out for you. Will you stand with me this morning in prayer?